All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, so uh, we got a great uh, third hour of the Young Turks coming out for you guys. Valerie Plame is up next. Uh, we're gonna talk to her about her uh, candidacy for Congress. Uh, and then uh, Anna, Emma, and I are gonna do a fun post game for you guys. TYT.com slash join to become a member. All right, uh, but first, uh, serious conversation here. Uh, joining me now is James Thompson. Uh, he is Democratic Chairman of Kansas' fourth congressional district. He ran in that district twice as a uh, candidate on the Democratic side in a special election. And then in the 2018 election, he did better than any Democrat has done in 20 years there. He was a justice Democrat, a wonderful progressive, and a strong fighter for that district. Uh, and uh, and he's run into an issue now that, that we want to talk about that has I think national implications as well. So Jim, welcome back to the Young Turks. Thank you, Jank, I appreciate it, it's nice to be back. It's great to have you back, Jim. Uh, I, I wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, um, so since uh, we last talked to you after your last election, um, uh, you, you've gotten uh, sick. So I, I wanted to ask you about um, exactly what kind of cancer you have and then I wanna talk about uh, insurance and what you've gone through uh, and what that says about our system. So first, tell us a little bit about uh, what ails you. Um, well, last year, uh, towards the, I don't know, about six months before the campaign was over, I started noticing I was feeling um, sick, I just tired a lot. I just kind of wrote it off as just the stress of the campaign trail. Campaign ended, um, still feeling really bad, and it was just getting worse, the fatigue was kicking in. Uh, finally, my wife t told me to um, get off the couch and go to the doctor. Um, can't have me sitting around the house like I was. So I did, and I was. Uh, they found a tumor in my liver, and lots more testing we went through. And it turns out that uh, I have stage four neuroendocrine tumors. Uh, started in my small intestine and has metastasized into my liver. So I have uh, numerous tumors now in my liver as well. So uh, that's obviously very serious. Um, now, Jim, you've got insurance, right? I, I do. I'm lucky enough to have insurance. Um, the I have Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas, and I'm lucky enough to have it as far as that it allowed me to go get diagnosed. The problem I'm running into, is, as I have uh, told you, uh, is that there's a... Um, disconnect with the insurance company and in that if you are in network, you're fine. But if you need to go out of network, there's only two circumstances that they allow you to do that. One is if it's an emergency or two, if you can't get those services inside the state of Kansas. Um, the kind of cancer I have is a rare cancer, very rare cancer. And there is nobody in Kansas that is a specialist that deals with this kind of cancer. Luckily, there's somebody in Denver, but my insurance company won't allow me to go to Denver to get the treatment I need because it's out of network. And so they keep referring me back to just general oncologists here, which don't doesn't do me any good. So look, um, I need people to understand that politics is real life. So the bills that people pass or don't pass have ramifications for real people like Jim. And so uh, if you'd made it into Congress, uh, you could have fought for yourself and for everyone else in, in a situation like you. Uh, and I and I love that you were a great fighter uh, in that district for then you still are, um, even if you're not running for Congress. But in this case, you know, we always hear Jim from the people who are against Medicare for all. Well, you know, what if the government were to ration health care? 
What if the government had bureaucracy <laughs> and made you wait for treatment or denied you treatment? But we never hear about what happens in this current cruel system. So they're telling you that even though there's a specialist in Denver that can save your life, you're not allowed to go to it. You have to go to people who don't have that specialty in Kansas because of the bureaucracy of being in network. That's correct, and the irony of it all is that if they would allow me to go to Denver, I would be able to get the surgery that I need to remove the tumors in my intestine and my liver. That surgery costs about $250,000. That's sticker shock, obviously, but if I go to the doctor that they want me to see here, he wants me to do radiation treatments, and that's $120,000 per treatment, and I need three to eight. So it would actually be cheaper for insurance me to go to Denver than it would be to stay in Kansas. But the way the system's set up, I can't do that. Um, although right now I am um, speaking with the insurance, Kansas Insurance Commission and they're helping me and assisting me in this. So hey, look at that, the government uh, may be uh, helping uh, represent the people they're supposed to represent and not the corporations. <laughs> that. Yeah, so well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that at least. So Jim, for, for a second, let's talk about if you didn't have insurance. So, if yeah, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, if I didn't have insurance, the cost of this would be even more devastating. Keep in mind, though, that I'm an attorney; I do have insurance, but this is still going to put me in bankruptcy because, unfortunately, this came about right after the election, and I basically spent my life savings trying to run for Congress. But if I didn't have insurance, I've got a monthly shot that I have to get, which is $11,400 a month just to walk in and get the shot. Um, there's the radiation treatment that uh, they want me to have. Like I said, it's $120,000 per episode, $250,000 surgery. Um, and that doesn't include the inability to work, the fatigue, the issues that come along with cancer that prevents you from being able to work. It just devastates you on every level in your life. And if you didn't have insurance, um, you're just sitting around waiting to die at this point because there is no way for you to get the care that you need because of the cost of healthcare in this country. Now, it's, it's really stunning. It's hard for people uh, that are not in America to understand this. They, 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 they're flabbergasted by our system. So, and, and since you're an attorney, you wouldn't qualify for Medicaid, right? Um, I will probably next year because I'm not working now. Um, I'm going to be going on Social Security disability. Um, hopefully, you know I can qualify for uh, some benefits through the VA. But you know, it, it's possible I could end up on Medicaid. I mean, it's doubtful because my wife. You know, I'm fortunate that my wife does work full time. But um, here you know, in Kansas, we haven't. Um, expanded Medicaid, so there's still that you know that donut hole that you get caught in, where you get stuck between qualifying for Medicaid or being able to get subsidies. And if you fall in that gap, you just again you just get screwed over. Yeah, I, ironically, it, this hurts the middle class more than anybody else. Uh, and so, no, when you say if you didn't have insurance, you just have to sit around and wait to die because nobody's got. $120,000 for treatment, let alone the 11,000, let alone the 250,000 for surgery, nobody's got that. I mean, unless you're right. super rich. It's like, again, people in other countries can't believe it. We just let people die and and yeah, that's the system we have. And, he, and you do have insurance and my guess is that the co-pays, the premiums and the deductibles are gonna absolutely devastate your finances. 
that's exactly right. Uh, you know, January is just around the corner, so we roll over into a new year, and uh, we're going to end up with a new policy through my wife's employer. But um, we're looking at about a $19,000 bill that will probably end up coming due in January to cover the out-of-network deductible if that's the insurance policy that they get, um, and then a $9,000 um, deductible as well for uh, in-network. So all of that's going to kick in uh, come January. So when you start looking at the deductibles, when you start looking at the coinsurance, you know, because a lot of times it's 80-20 until you met your out-of-pocket maximum, there's just no way for somebody that doesn't have a lot of money to be able to afford to get sick. I mean, it's it's just devastating, again, on every single level um, that you have to deal with this, whether it's uh, financially, whether it's you know, spiritually, where whether it's with your family. It, it, it just destroys everything it touches. Cancer is just that. It's a cancer that just sucks the life out of everything it comes in contact with. So Jim, I read your Facebook post. You got a 14-year-old daughter, and then you got at the time that you wrote that a 19-month-old daughter. Can can people help you through Facebook, or are you not? I don't know. Are are you taking that or no? I, my wife and I have talked about it because at some point we may just have not have any choice. Right now, I don't have anything set up. We're kind of waiting to see what January brings about. Um, whether or not we're able to get the Kansas Insurance Commission to put us um, to make the insurance company allow me to go out of network, or whether we're going to have to get a different policy that will um, end up costing us more but allow out of network. So right now, there's a lot of balls that are in the air that we're still trying to get sorted out, and um, I haven't sat down and 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 done that. I've got a lot of people pushing me to do a GoFundMe account, which yeah, makes me nauseous that. Uh, I get sick, and the only way I can get through this is to have a GoFundMe account, and it just it's it's embarrassing uh, for me. It's uh, I just don't know how to deal with it. So, yeah. and we're we're still working through all of that. So, and Jim, I, I know your backstory. We've known each other a little bit now, and uh, and Jim grew up uh, very very poor and, and worked his way up. He's in a lot of ways the American dream. And uh, you know, successful attorney, civil rights attorney. Um, so, uh, but we'll have the link to his Facebook page uh, down below if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook. Just follow Jim, just in case, right? And and also because he's a great progressive hero. Uh, last thing, so you've got late stage cancer right now. This is so sometimes we talk about it on the show and people talk about it on TV as a hypothetical. This is not hypothetical. You, you got it, uh, and. Uh, so, how long do you think it's going to take for you to get to Denver and to get that surgery, if things go right? And and then finally, what if they don't? What if the commission can't help you? Uh, then what are your options? Well, if I can get the surgery that I need um, in a timely manner, then I could live for. You know, another 20 years, I could live to see my daughters walk down the aisle, see them graduate, maybe even see grandkids someday. If I don't get the care that I need, then um, the statistics say that, you know, I've got about a 50-50 chance of making it five years. Um, if, if I'm not allowed to go to Denver, then I'm forced to go through radiation treatment, which has its own issues, and may or may not cure me. Um, so... Uh, 
I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that if I don't get the care that I need, my lifespan is going to be significantly shorter. Um, definitely puts the um, need for Medicare and who's supporting that and who's not supporting it <laughs> into my consideration when I start looking at uh, our presidential candidates. Politics is real. Uh, if you pass the bills, you help people. If you don't, uh, we leave them in this cruel, barbaric system. We can't do this to our fellow citizens. James Thompson, uh, I, I don't say it lightly, I really do think you're an American hero for, for all that you've done before you got sick. And for all the folks that you stood up for after you made it. And uh, you could have chosen to be a corporate lawyer, but you were a civil rights attorney. You could have chosen an easy life, but you chose to uh, run as an uncorrupted uh, candidate. And, uh, and now you're fighting this uh, like you always have, as a true strong fighter. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this powerful story. We really appreciate it. Jank, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great evening. You too, Jim. Feel better. All right, guys. Uh, Valor Flames up next. Welcome back to the conversation. I'm Anna Kasparian, and joining us now is congressional candidate for New Mexico's third district, Valerie Plame. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Anna. Thank you for having me. So I am incredibly impressed with your stance on various issues. And I, I, I love the fact that you support Medicare for all, Green New Deal. We're gonna get into the details of that in just a moment. But I do wanna talk to you a little bit about what's happening with this impeachment investigation, specifically the GOP assault on the whistleblower who luckily has remained anonymous. Just wanted to get your two cents on that as someone who knows firsthand what it's like to have Republican lawmakers and the executive branch come after you as a former CIA operative. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Anna. Yes, I do. Uh, I feel personally for this whistleblower and how uh, the incredible pressure he must be under. I believe that this whistleblower is a hero. Uh, he came forward. The whole point of having the Whistleblower Protection Act is so that we can have government employees come forward to say, look, there's corruption, there's wrongdoing, there's something is amiss here. Uh, the fact that uh, Trump has directed his himself as well as uh, to the media to uh, out this whistleblower is absolutely outrageous. Uh, that is not how our system is set up. Um, so the whistleblower really, uh, I hope uh, that his or her identity will not be revealed. I believe it probably will be because of the times that we live in. And, and uh, apparently his identity has been known in far off corners. Uh, but uh, it's really actually irrelevant now in terms of we know what we know. Mm -hmm. I was listening very closely today to the impeachment proceedings, uh, particularly the opening statements by the professors, uh, the experts uh, on impeachment and the constitution. And I was really moved uh, that it was very sober and it really laid the table for why we need to proceed with impeachment. Absolutely, I, I agree with you on that. And you know, I think that 
the hideousness of the Trump administration and some of the behavior that we've seen from our president has certainly encouraged people to run for Congress, individuals who never thought they would run for Congress before. And so I wanted to ask you, what, what encouraged you to run for New Mexico's third district? Indeed, I felt compelled to run. Uh, we are living in a time where Trump and what's left of the GOP, I believe, is a, a frontal assault on all the things that I care about, the things that I am passionate about, whether it's national security, women's rights, health care, the environment, education. I want to serve my country again. Uh, I come from a family of public service. I served as as a covert CIA operations officer, particularly focused on the nuclear threat. And when this opportunity presented itself, which as you know, doesn't have happen often, I thought I can do that and I can do that well. So let's talk a little bit about the issues that you support. Um, you know, going through where you stand on things like Medicare for all and Green New Deal, I was, I was, I don't know if surprised is the right word. I, I was definitely pleased to see that uh, you have many progressive policy positions, more progressive than some of the alleged progressive candidates running uh, for uh, president. And so you're supportive of the Green New Deal. Talk to me about why, what is it about the Green New Deal that you think makes the most sense? Mm -hmm. What I love about the Green New Deal is that it is an aspirational document. It doesn't lay out all the details and how we get there, uh, of course, will be contentious. But what I love is the idea, it's an inspiration, and that's what leadership is about. That's what President John Kennedy did when he said, you know, we're gonna go to the moon, there's gonna be a man on the moon in a decade. You, you set that out there and you move toward that. My home is New Mexico. Uh, we feel the effects of climate change acutely here. Uh, water is truly precious, and what I hear here, although the district is incredibly diverse in terms of population and socioeconomic status, I hear over and over again the issue of environmental protection, no matter who, no matter what community I'm speaking to. So it's an important part of everything that I'm thinking about doing and listening from uh, the folks in the district. You know, Bernie Sanders took the Green New Deal, which was a framework, and he turned it into actual legislation. Have you read that legislation? Is it something that you're supportive of? I ha I'm not that familiar to be able to say what parts of it uh, I agree with. Yeah. Uh, but in general, the Green New Deal is something that I think makes absolute sense, not only for New Mexico, but for the nation as a whole. Uh, we have to get off our reliance on fossil fuels, very simple. And uh, again, I'm looking at it through the optic of New Mexico, uh, green uh, jobs and fossil fuels are not necessarily at odds. I believe that there's a way of enhancing and increasing our jobs and our economy through uh, renewable energies. Exactly, so you, you do talk a little bit about uh, jobs in your platform and you uh, use green, the Green New Deal as a possibility in increasing the number of jobs. What else would you do to boost uh, the economy in, in New Mexico? Well, we're already slowly beginning to see the diversity starting. For so long, for decades, New Mexico's economy has really relied on two things, extractive industries as well as the federal government. Um, with our new governor, Governor Lujan Grisham, uh, she has really welcomed in 
uh, and entrepreneurial ships, as well as big filmmakers such as Netflix, Amazon are coming in. We've had Facebook come in. Um, this we have been mired for far too long since the recession um, with a. Uh, a lack of leadership, and I'm pleased to see some nice changes. So with uh, those companies coming in and providing new jobs, uh, I'm curious what you feel or what you think about uh, the idea or the notion of providing tax cuts or subsidies to bring those companies into your state. Are you supportive of that or do you think that there's a better way to go about it? Well, that's always a balancing act, isn't it? Uh, particularly around the film industry, uh, states are highly competitive. How far can you cut the taxes to attract Hollywood uh, TV and filmmaking? So, and it does have, uh, of course, it feeds the economy at the same time at what cost to your overall tax. So that has to be uh, evaluated very carefully. How far are you gonna cut your taxes for corporations to come in? There, are, I believe that there are other ways uh, to grow your economy as well. Uh, New Mexico is home to uh, two national labs, right? My backyard practically is Los Alamos National Lab, which is how I ended up coming to New Mexico in the first place because my old job with the CIA, I came out here quite a bit. And I would love to see the all the intellectual horsepower that sits in those national labs be put into uh, to expand their mission for, for instance, what we're talking about, renewable energy. I wanna know why can't we have better solar batteries? Why can't we have wind turbines that uh, are even more efficient? I wanna use the national labs uh, to go into the 21st century, not look backwards necessarily at uh, where they started with the the, new, the splitting of the atom. So Americans are in a, a strange place because even if you have a wonderful job, you have a decent savings account, you you have a nest egg ready for your retirement, it could all be taken away with one serious medical emergency. And so, what are your solutions to fix America's broken healthcare system? Mm -hmm. First of all, healthcare is a human right. It is astonishing that in a country as prosperous as the United States, that not everyone has access to affordable quality healthcare. That is immoral in my mind. Uh, Medicare for all is, uh, I am in favor of it, but I also am in favor of taking Obamacare, uh, the Affordable Care Act, and building upon that. I think if we were to flip the switch suddenly overnight, it would be too big a shock to the system. So uh, uh, we, ha we have to do better at this. It is it's unbelievable that some statistics that you know most American families are $400 away from complete ruin, and that's you have to buy if you have to buy four new tires or you have a medical expense. People, families should not be bankrupted because they cannot afford medical expenses. There has to be a better way. And of course, the devil's in the details, but we've been at this for far too long. The pharmaceutical companies, the uh, insurance companies, they run the tables on the American people too long. Definitely, you know, I, I we can have a lengthy interview on Medicare for all or, or fixing the broken healthcare system alone, but I, I do have to follow up on that because you know I, I have heard uh, presidential candidates say we don't necessarily need Medicare for all. We, we we should maintain private insurers and have this two tiered system where people can opt into a Medicare uh, program as opposed to a private insurer. But are you at all concerned that creating that two tier system would lead to the type of situation that we're seeing with 
public schools. I mean, public schools are devastatingly underfunded. And I feel that the same thing would happen if we had this two-tiered healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I, I, that is the potential for that, but of course, how it's set up and how it's how it's directed right now, the fact that we allow huge pharmaceutical companies to set their own drug prices without any intervention, uh, causing, for instance, insulin uh, certainly across the nation, but certainly here in New Mexico, uh, the prices keep going up by. 100% practically every year. It's it's crazy. Right. So uh, to have this, I just believe that you need to have options. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I will, of course, vote for uh, you know whoever is the next Democratic president. You know that this will be at the top of their list, and get to work on how do you make this uh, work for the most Americans in the most efficient way possible. All right. Well, for uh, those of you listening or watching this, uh, you can learn more about the campaign by going to ValeriePlaimForCongress.com. There's also a link there if you're interested in donating at actblue.com slash donate slash Valerie-Plame. And if you're interested to volunteer, there is a link for that as well. Valerie Plame, again, a congressional candidate for New Mexico's third district. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Anna. My pleasure. All right, thank you for watching guys. We will be up next with the post game.